Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you may be. My name is Alfredo, and you are now tuned into the Climate Frontline podcast. At the Climate Frontline podcast, I have an opportunity to chat with community leaders, leaders in different industries, as well as artists who are making some amazing music or different types of art. And I really do this conversations to be able to center the communities who are at the front line of climate change. And our community does all this. We're able to change the narrative around climate one conversation at a time. So today I have the opportunity to chat with a friend of mine, uh, Ubaldo, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alfredo. Thanks for the invitation. I think it's, uh, this is a really interesting program. I've been listening to some of your shows, so I'm really excited and happy to be invited. I think it's, a, it's, a, um, it's an honor to be here. Yeah. Ubaldo, uh, you know, just to warm us up, I would love to know uh, what is your favorite food or, or snack? So my favorite food or snack, uh, well, I like everything with chile y limón. <laughs> I think I get uh, los, los pepinos, cucumbers, and uh, 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 carrots. Uh, I think here we call a salad with, with lemon and salt and um, with lime and salt. That, that's one of the things that difference I learned between lemon and lime. So lemon is the yellow one, and lime is the green one, <laughs> the small one. Yeah. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Ubaldo. Uh, for for those folks who may not know who you are, uh, would you mind sharing uh, a little bit of of who Ubaldo is and and what is it that you like to do in this journey called life? I know you're from the Ciudad de Mexico, so I I, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Alfredo. Uh, well, my name is Ubaldo Hernandez, and I uh, I was born in Mexico City, and I moved to the United States when I was uh, 24 years old. And uh, I've been living in this community 26 years. So half of my life, uh, I've been living in the States after the move here. Uh, but I have always been uh, engaged in social activism since I was a little one. Uh, my family uh, I, I came uh, from a family of, of uh, social activists, so uh, that's what I've been doing all my life, and that's something that's on my blood, I, I'll say that, and I, I grew up listening to my brothers and sisters uh, uh, are, uh, having meetings with the schoolmates and, uh, and discussing ways to solve the world problem, so I grew up in the, in the arena, so I've been a social activist all my life. And uh, since I came to the United States, I um, encountered that in this country, also we have poverty and discrimination. Uh, we have uh, um, a social injustices. So I, since I came to this country, I started being, uh, working or participating as a social activist. And for the last four years, I've been working with Columbia River Keeper as a community organizer. Uh, I would like to know, Ubaldo, um, what what land uh, are are you residing in, and and who are the peoples that uh, live there, the, the native peoples? Do you happen to know? Um, the the where, the place where I live is the Yakama Nation, so we we live on the land of the Yakamas. Awesome! Thank you so much for sharing that, uh, and it's so nice to have you on the show. I think uh, when I first met you, I told you a 
it would be awesome to have you in the show. And so, yeah, thank you for being in, in the show. As you may know, there's a strong focus on language in this show. And so uh, a question that I have for you is, uh, if you could share a little bit of what Comunidades is, and also the importance of having an organization uh, be in a different language, right, in, in, in the United States. Why, why call it Comunidades and why not call it, uh, I don't know, Latino Environmental Justice Columbia River, uh, yeah, you know why comunidades. <laughs> so uh, this is a this is a really interesting conversation. Uh, so comunidades came up uh, uh, for me working at Columbia River Keeper. Uh, I was hired as a community organizing organizer, and my job was to or is to engage our Latino community to participate and uh, protecting our natural resources. So when I started gathering people, members of the community on the gorge, uh, we started talking about the importance of, as a members of the community, make our own decisions on how we want to approach the environmental problems. And we, uh, through, that is, uh, through those uh, talks on this, or discussions, we found out that environmental uh, justice or injustices are connected to social injustices. So what we were thinking is we cannot talk about environmental justice without talking social justice, because as members of the Latino community, immigrant community, uh, we know that when an environmental injustice happens, a social injustice happens at the same time, and it happened to us, you know, as uh, people of color or, or immigrants, or just because we are uh, Latinos, you know. So then we start discussing about uh, that we want to create our own group and how we want to be identified. So one of the things that we have on these conversations with a group uh, about 15, 20 Latinos in the area, we start talking about how, okay, we want to create our own group, and how we're going to call it. Yeah, so we have a couple names in mind. And one of the things is that we, as a members of the community, we were thinking about having the name in Spanish. So we were talking about to have the name in Spanish because that will represent part of our heritage. So most of the countries in Latin America, the most spoken language is Spanish. And uh, that's a way that we can communicate and uh, we want to uh, preserve that. And, and basically what we talk about the name is that if we have a Spanish name, we kind of reinforce that we respect uh, um, the way we communicate our language. Um, it's complicated to talk about, to say our language because it was uh, imposed language. But anyways, uh, I think that's another conversation. So yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking about that Spanish is the language that most of the countries in Latin America speak. So, but also we want to be connected with the uh, Americans, with the uh, people that live here. Uh, they, speak, they only speak English. And we were thinking about what, what word can be used that everybody can understand. Uh -huh. And comunidades uh -huh. is one of them. Because comunidades yeah. in Spanish, community in English. 
So it's, it doesn't have that much uh, trouble to get a translation, right? And, uh, but also we want the Anglo community to understand what we do. And also we want to uh, have a clear communication with the youth that was born here or is growing up here and they don't yeah. really speak Spanish that much. So what we want to do is to create, to have the name in Spanish and put a tagline in English, which is Amplifying Voices for Environmental and Social Justice. So that is clear what we do because Comunidades means a lot of things, you know. It's, it's kind of an open word that it can be uh, a lot of things, like uh, Comunidades for Culture, Comunidades for the Food, Comunidades for many things, you know, for the sports and uh, so. But we want to make sure that tagline specifies what comunidades do. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Uh, it's really important, I think, to to be intentional about the language you're using, right? And uh, I think it was pretty easy for me to understand when I found out about comunidades what it was going to be about. So I think I became a fan just because it said comunidades already. I was like, all right. These people are it. <laughs> so yeah. I really appreciate the fact that uh, you were intentional about the language you were using there. Um, I'm curious to know, in the con for, for someone who may not know where um, the Columbia River Gorge is, could you just paint a little bit of the picture of um, what are the, what, what is going on there as it relates to uh, pollution and how, how, how does environmental justice really show up? in that landscape. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the Columbia Gorge is a river, is, is an area where it's, um, uh, it's part of the Columbia River. So it, it, this place is located between the state of Oregon and Washington. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's in, on the northwest of the United States. And uh, so this river covers uh, about... Uh, 1250 miles is the length of the river and uh, it's a really long river and it cross a lot of communities and um, so just to put a, a, on perspective uh, where this is located or where I'm located is and in, in a small section that they call the gorge right because the river uh, cut through the um, uh, through the mountains on Washington and Oregon, and uh, and it's uh, I think the the translation for the gorge is a canyon, so it's like a, we are on the canyon of that where the river passed by, and uh, yeah, that's where uh, we are located, and uh, and this area is really green, is uh, we are kind of on the edge of the rainforest and the desert. And uh, so um, it's, it's a really interesting um, ecosystem because in Hood River or White Salmon, where I, I live, it's like uh, you look uh, east and you can see all these landscapes start changing. But you can see it from there. Uh, you can see all these things are getting drier and different type of trees like oaks and really scruffy. And you look. Uh, to the west and just see all these green pines and uh, and beautiful landscapes you know you are we are just right there where the 
division of that different ecosystems create. So, and um, on this area, uh, we have a lot of problems uh, um, uh, with different types of uh, um, places or uh, I'll say some uh, like uh, industrial areas, industrial zones that they contaminate the um, uh, communities that live that are communities that have been established along the Columbia River. So one of the things we uh, have problems like uh, in Portland is a city that is just beside the uh, Columbia River, and we have an area that it's called the Harbor Community. And that area has been highly contaminated. It's considered a super found site. So the levels of contamination are really high. That it needs to be uh, the, the Department of Ecology. They have to come up with a term to identify these communities. And they come up with a term super found site. So we have another sound, uh, super found south, site at the east of the Columbia River which is in the state of Washington, by uh, this area that Tri-Cities, Pasco. Uh, that area, there is another super found site, which is Hanford, where once that place was used to enrich plutonium to produce the nuclear weapons for this country. So that's another found site because when they stopped using this place, they left millions and millions of gallons of uh, radioactive material sitting underground on that area. So, and this is one of the problems that we have on our communities, kind of the biggest uh, ecologic uh, crisis that we have in, on, along the Columbia River. Yeah, really important uh, to note that the pollution is there, right? And so therefore the, the communities that are around it are uh, at the front line of, of the impacts that may come as a result of having this pollution so close to you. So thank you for sharing that. We're going to take a quick break before we dive a little bit more into um, this conversation with Dubaldo. We'll be right back. Is a weapon, so we bust it in the ether. Deep breather, black copper, street sweeper. She a true keeper, so she can take a deeper, deeper than the so called beef for the former. Burning the coma, children of the sauna. Pure fire, cause together forever. We rock the rally, then the party, then the bodies for fellas. So much trouble up in the world again. She bubble, get a red lava bed. But Lady Justice let the flame go. So all power to the people, yo. And if she got it, then you get through. She melt the change, free the city, you. She heat on a heartbeat. We roll deep with unified peaks. She about to free us with the flame now. She keep us moving with the fire now. Okay, we're back here with Ubaldo, uh, and we are talking about comunidades, as well as what environmental justice means in the Columbia River Gorge. And just a quick thing that I know about the gorge also is that so much electricity is generated there, right? 
So it's really important as it relates to the energy grid system, uh, not only in the Pacific Northwest, but I believe uh, some of that energy is actually sent back down to California as well. So uh, really important to, to note that. And we have here Ubaldo, who uh, is working with communities who are uh, living in the Columbia River Gorge. I'm curious, Ubaldo, um, what are some of the exciting things that are going on in your work right now as it relates to engaging communities and uh, just uh, allowing some of these stories to surface in a way that um, that is led by the communities that are part of Comunidades? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's so many things happen in this area that they're so uh, um, exciting to work to engage our community. Uh, one of the things that because we focus uh, in protecting our natural resources, uh, we have campaigns that uh, we are um, working on. For example, that you mentioned earlier about that this area is well known because uh, there is a lot of dams, a lot of electricity is created on this area, and um, and a lot of, a lot of this electricity goes to California, and we have the most damaged river in the world so it's so many dams on this river that it's kind of hard to call it a river anymore so one of the things i i learned is that uh now they call water reservoirs so there is not a river so between dams you call the the uh, gorge water reservoir uh, but, uh, the other side is the uh uh what is the uh um uh, John Day Water Reservoir, so, things like that. You know, the, it's not a river anymore because the flow of the river is not free, so we cannot call it a river. So uh, this is one of the things. Um, but it's a lot of a, a lot of dams along to the to the Columbia River, and um, one of the things that happened and this is really uh, uh, important for us. And one of the campaigns that we're working on is to remove dams and one of the main uh, tributaries of the Columbia River and the Snake River. So we are uh, working with members of the community, with uh, uh, tribal nations, in order to uh, force the government to remove those dams because they stop the flow of the river. So with these things happening, salmons are not able to go to the right. uh, uh, the rivers where they traditionally uh, spawn and have uh, reproduced, you know. So then uh, one of the things that we're working is to remove those dams on the Snake River, which is uh, really important for the uh, to bring back the salmon to the area because salmon is uh, on the uh, extinction list now because of the dams. Basically, dams are a big problem, a uh, big part of the problem with uh, salmon extinction. And uh, so this is one of the things, and there is a lot of controversy, right? Because we have this per perspective of uh, the dams produce a lot of energy, electricity, and that benefits our area. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, these dams are getting really old, and it's taking, mm -hmm. it costing a lot more money to keep maintenance than what they produce. Like uh, uh, I was reading an article about how much money it costs to maintain a dam. And mm -hmm. it costs more money than what they produce. 
So at this time, dams are getting obsolete. Plus, we have another uh, type of uh, uh, different technologies to produce uh, electricity. Like uh, we have a lot of, um, uh, how, how you call these, uh, fans along wind the... Wind energy? Yeah, wind energy along yeah. the, the uh, Columbia River and also some places where there is a lot of, of these um, uh, um, windmills that yeah. they have all over the uh, Northwest. So there is a different ways to produce energy. Uh, there is a lot of solar panels also that they use to produce energy. So in reality, dams are not the big producers of electricity anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I would love to pivot a little bit into um, the trainings that are going on in what we were speaking about before this conversation, uh, journalism, no? El periodismo. Because I think it's really important work that, that you're doing there. So could you just tell me a little bit about that and, and why is it important that these communities are driving the narrative in terms of, of what's going on there and, and you know, putting out some news that... Um, that is both factual as well as the experiences of these communities. Yeah, and um, yes, and one of the things I want, first of all, so I want to apologize because, uh, I mean, this is a first time I on this uh, show and I uh, wanted to share all the information because a lot of information, a lot of things happening on this side of the world. And uh, one of the things that you mentioned is about uh, oil transportation, fossil fuel transportation along the river, and a project that we have to uh, engage our community to participate on community journalism. Um, so on, on the Columbia River, uh, we have a lot of communities living along the river. Uh, the Columbia River is a really long and powerful river on the west, on the northwest. So saying that, also there is a lot of uh, corporations using the river also to transport fossil fuel uh, products. And that creates a problem to our communities because every time we see a train uh, a mile long transporting um, these, all these uh, um, carts full of uh, fossil fuel, where uh, they, they put our communities at risk of accidents. Like a, one of the trains can derail and produce an spillage on the river or it can just get on fire and explode and destroy communities along the river uh, we have experience that happened probably four years ago that a train uh, derail and caught on fire in front of a small town uh, Moiser in, uh, in the gorge so it's uh, really um, uh, dangerous to transport these type of products along the river. So our communities want to protect from these uh, um, problems. And we want also our community to raise their voices and get together and bring information that is really relevant to our communities. And, and because issues like this, and there is not much information that let our communities know what these a type of uh, fossil fuel transportation represents to our community, we decide to create a grassroots movement on community journalism 
So we start investigating what happened in, rest, in our communities and how we can send that information so people know what's going on, you know, uh, from yeah. our communities to our communities instead of uh, wanting, waiting for corporations to give us the news, you know. Uh, yeah. and usually we don't hear corporations talking about how many trains pass the, through the gorge every day, you know. Right. Uh, they only tell you when an accident happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's so important that uh, we position uh, our communities in, in a place where they can tell that story. And uh, a quick story that I'll actually share. Uh, I don't think I've shared this in many places, but um, you may recall a few years back, uh, there was a shell rig that was getting some repairs done in Portland. Uh, and uh, it was trying to get out. And uh, some activist from Greenpeace actually jumped out of, uh, I believe it was the St. John Bridge, uh -huh. to stop the rig from moving out. And yeah, uh, aside uh, some activism that I did with uh, Portland State University, uh, that I remember those two days vividly because I was out there uh, helping the kayaks get out. And it was a, it was a very memorable moment because... Um, you know, I, I knew that I was making an impact not only locally, but also in the communities back in Peru or in the communities back in Mexico or whatever it may be. And I share this to, to say, like, that's a story that I saw covered a lot by uh, media, mm -hmm. but it was a story that was distant from, uh, from my community, right? It wasn't necessarily something that was upfront to them. And I saw a disconnect there. So I, I almost wonder like, hey, you know, maybe if it was told in a podcast or some kind of platform in Spanish, maybe my community would have found it there, which I think underlines the importance of not only language, but then also uh, the journalism that you're speaking about, right? Yeah. So, and, yeah, I just and, wanted to share that with you. And, and no, and to that totally makes sense because let, let's, let's see, that's something that happened locally, right? But if we see on the news, on the on the um, uh, traditionally news outlets from right. corporations, they they are not connected with this community. So the the perspective from the news are come like a like a, this is happening here, but we are not really connected with that action. You know, it's like um, it's just a news. You know, and that and that language that we're using it. From this community, we were not just in another community, in another part of the country, or in another part of the world. So it's not a, the, the community connection. Like, is somebody from that community reporting to the community? It, it makes sense, you know? Like, uh, yeah, we will yeah, use yeah. different words. We say, hey, we said this in our community. This is happening here. And we know some of these members of the community that they're demonstrating and they are trying to stop this vessel to leave the uh, the place, and and we connect with that like, oh yeah, it's happening here. It's it's us, you know, and somebody from the community. And when a corporation gives you the news, they're saying, well, this is happening, and it's not connected to us. We don't have any connection. Just the news. Yeah, absolutely. And what what I'm hearing from you is underlining the importance of language, right? I mean, you and I we were just having a conversation that's similar to this in Spanish, uh, and that took us one way, and now we're talking about rigs in, in uh, or Oregon or, you know, uh, super fun sites in, in Oregon. 
And so, yeah, thank you so much for being in the show again, uh, Ubaldo. Clearly, uh, like I had said before, this is just the beginning, and I think we have many topics to explore with you. So, uh, one question I had for you is: so, for the youth that that you that live in Oregon or maybe even in the south southern part of Washington, who may be listening to you right now, uh, and you know, maybe they are about to graduate high school and they're considering some kind of college uh, degree. Uh, what is your message to them as it relates to, you know, maybe tips on moving forward with their journey uh, and how they may strategize around, uh, you know, still holding their values close to Pachamama, Mother Earth, or uh, environmental justice, social justice, and these issues that we're talking about here as well as in the different platforms that we'll we'll get a chance to talk about in a little bit. Yeah, uh, one of the, uh, what I see is environmental advocacy is changing. The landscape is changing. Um, and, and I'm going to speak to uh, assuming that a lot of Latino is, uh, uh, students uh, are listening, are going to listen to this show, right? A lot of Latinos that are finished high school or going, wanting to go into college and they don't know what they want to do. Um, the environmental advocacy world is changing. The landscape is transforming to open uh, working spaces for uh, uh, people of color, for Latinos, for our communities. We know that this uh, um, environmental advocacy is being dominated by the white community. It's been really white for a long, long time. And now it's changing. Now it's open spaces for uh, people like me, like you, to participate and and uh, uh, take a, taking advantage of these jobs. Uh, these jobs are are well paid. They don't pay uh, 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 low wages. They're really good salary sometimes. And uh, and this is grand. Is this is these are great opportunities for members of our community to think about studying environmental uh, science. Uh, but also uh, environmental law uh, and also biology and, and chemistry and all these things at the end can transform into environmental advocacy. All these jobs that are opening in order to reach out to our Latino community. And uh, for young Latinos that are finished high school and they want to go to college and they don't know what to do, I invite them to look around and look at the uh, environmental advocacy groups and think about uh, some kind of education that is focused on that. And that are jobs for the future. So now, uh, um, Alfredo, uh, I, I think you are a witness of that, that there is a lot more Latinos starting to work in these areas. And it, they are really good jobs. And I'll and also, you are connecting with uh, Pachamama, con la madre tierra, no? Uh, and you are connecting with our environment and protecting the future of your um, communities. Uh, think about that now that we have a lot of Latino community growing in these areas, having their families, their kids are going to stay here. Uh, the youth are going to be here. Then they're going to have kids, and we need to ensure that uh, these communities stay green and healthy for our future generations. 
Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think at its simplest form, the problem I think we're facing is a, uh, a disconnect, right? A disconnect of one, each other, and two, with uh, Mother Earth. So I really appreciate you um, and, and the work you're doing in the communities in the Gorge, as well as uh, I'm sure there's been many other successes you've uh, had, both in, in Mexico as well as here in the U.S. So Thank you so much for being in the show, Waldo. Um, I'm curious to know if, if, if you'd be willing to share uh, some of the ways in which folks can find out about you, comunidades, and how they can uh, stay in touch. Maybe there's an opportunity for folks to chime in and help out with the project. Please, by uh, all means. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, comunidades. We have our Facebook page. And you can find it at Comunidades Amplifying Voices for Environmental and Social Justice. Uh, we are working to train members of the community in community journalism. Uh, we just finished training 20 members of the of communities in the Northwest and Washington and Oregon. Uh, you can check our uh, Facebook page, look to the listen to the conversations we have with uh, every uh, Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday every week. Uh, we talk about what's going on in our communities. We talk about from social justice to environmental justice topics. And uh, that's a really broad uh, conversation. And um, you can also listen to a podcast that I produce. That it's uh, Conoce Tu Colombia. Uh, you can find this uh, uh, podcast on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Uh, Spotify and iTunes. You can uh, check this out and conoce tu Colombia dot org, and uh, and it will take you to the Columbia River Keeper Spanish section, and it, you will see all the podcasts that we have uh, on the on our webpage. So that, those are some ways to connect. Uh, you can contact me, uh, send me an email. My email is ubaldo at columbiariverkeeper.org uh, and you can give me a call if you want. My phone number is 541-490-7722 and I'll be happy to answer a call or send me a text message. Um, that easy. All right. Well, Ubaldo, it's, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, and for folks listening in or listening on YouTube, you can find the links to what Ovaldo has mentioned on the video description, or if you're listening on podcast, you can find those on the show notes. So Ubaldo, before we part ways, are there any um, last words of wisdom or message you'd like to share as we close off this show? La madre es lo que todo, la madre tierra es lo que todos tenemos en común. Okay. And uh, for my folks who are still learning some Spanish is that, uh, Mother Earth is what we have most in common, or the main thing we have in common, I believe. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you so much, Ubaldo, and uh, I hope to have you on the show sometime soon. Otherwise, uh, maybe uh, you can send one of your representatives here too. They'll always be welcome, and I'm just excited to continue to develop this relationship with you. And that's all for today, folks. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ubaldo. He is really an amazing person that uh, 
I, I think his strategy around journalism is going to work out really well for him and the communities in the gorge. So be sure to follow his uh, his content that he makes through the, his podcast as well as the Facebook group. Uh, I also wanted to make a small ask. Actually, I'm looking for some artists who may be creating music or even just visual arts that you think would be a good fit to feature in this show. So please get me in touch with those either by leaving a comment section or sending me a, a message to climatefrontlinepodcast at gmail.com. Again, this conversation was part of the podcast at the Climate Frontline. And I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you consider joining me in in our community there. And uh, yeah, I'll link. I'll leave a couple links below. Uh, I am on Patreon if you'd like to support me on Patreon or any other way you can contribute to uh, this changing narrative we're doing in, in our community around how people understand and how they engage at the Climate Frontline would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise. The last thing I'll share with you is that we have this conversation in Spanish. It was a different conversation where we get a chance to touch on uh, immigration as well as uh, what does this work look like in Latin America. And if you're interested in hearing or maybe practicing some Spanish, the conversation, the video will be right here. It'll pop up right there. Otherwise, I will see you next time at the Climate Frontline or on this channel or Maybe even in Clubhouse. I don't know. I'll see you soon. Peace.